Hey everyone, and welcome to this very special episode of Citywide Blackout. Recently, my buddy Ben Chow and I went to the Massachusetts Independent Comics Expo. Now for me, it's been a while since I've been there, but I remember what a great event it was. This year did not disappoint. In this episode, Ben and I talked with some of the artists and one of the minds behind the event, who is also an artist, so remember that. First up is Savannah Stroder. This was her first mice, and we talked about the experience, the people she met, and the important lessons for her art career. Savannah, thank you for sitting down and talking to us. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Now, I want to start by asking about your art style because I just absolutely loved it. Um, How are you trained or are you um, uh, self-taught? So from ages five to 17, I was self-teaching myself with, you know, the usual how to do manga books from the Michaels bookstore, um, how to draw manga from a friend of my mom's who was a big inspiration and a really big supporter in my art career. Then, once I got to Leslie University, which is my alma mater, I applied for um, my illustration degree. And for the past four years there, even during COVID, I was being trained by my professors there alone and also learning online through Prokopenko. Highly, highly suggest that. And yeah, since then I've um, just been sort of learning through seeing, if you will. Um, My big inspiration for my art style is Alessandro Barbucci, the author of Sky Doll, Witch, and the graphic comic Echo. Okay, I've read Witch. I really like that. Who doesn't love Witch? You know, the show and the comic, they're actually more or less the same. That that kind of uh, surprised me is that they're not vastly different like it like it uh, usually is. Yeah, um, I think it also helped that Alessandro also had a help in some of the writing. I think. Oh, okay. Yes, that I think he. Sense. Yes, but I also think I think I like the show more because honestly, the show is a little bit less more dramatic than the comic because he was just writing the comic as it went along. Yeah, yeah, the show the, the show was really cool. That was what two seasons, I think. It was supposed to be more, but you know, Jedex Jedex just axed it because. Jetix was dying as well, but okay. I do hope that's the one kind of show they bring back. Oh, I would love to see that. I would love to see it. Did you have a favorite character? I did. I liked Irma. She was the witch of fire. She was the fire embodiment. I loved her to death. Not only because because she actually was one of the many reasons I wanted to go into art. Because she was a pock girl who was strong she was she had a great personality other than being black like she wasn't the girl from the streets she had her mom was a judge her father was i don't know what her father did i think it was a stay-at-home dad but i was like yeah i I can add more i have the talent to add more so and that's what got me on my mission to try and bring more black girls out of the stereotypic they're in the hood they're loud, they're loud, they're always set in this one genre, this one thing. And I think sometimes a lot of POC artists are afraid to branch out into these other genres. And when they do, they're not heard enough. Like, did you know there was this like prime show about a um, black um, princess? It was sci-fi, she lost her throne and she was trying to get it back. I didn't hear about that. I don't think I know what happened. Exactly. I don't even know the title. Someone told me about it. But I really want to help 
more black girls be seen in different genres, like sci-fi, high fantasy. I think I can help. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm the only one that can do that. There can definitely be more, but I think it would be nice to see. What do you see as your role in, um, in doing that? My role is just, you know, I, I don't really think I have a role. I'm just the one person who enjoys doing what she does. If people, if people are, get, become happy from it, that would be awesome. But I'm not saying that that's my one thing to do on earth. I, yeah, like I think I like doing what I do. And if someone becomes inspired of it, that would just be a bonus. Definitely, definitely. Um, have you had a chance to to uh, to make a lot of fans in in doing mice and doing like other events? Um, well, actually, this is my very first event. Really? Yes, I've never done anything like this before. Oh my god! So this is actually my comic debut. Wow. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So how's it gone so far? I'm enjoying it. I'm having a good time. I've met a lot of nice people. I've had people give me advice. I've had people kind of guide me into better options for my table. Um, I've even had someone say that they love my work. Like I did, a, I did my first comic commission here just because I was bored. Yeah, the table was running slow and they were like, can, I, can you draw something for me? And I said, sure. As soon as I finished it, they were like, I flipping love this. I love this. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm where I need to be. I'm where I need to be. That kind of solidified because, no lie, I was kind of questioning my career choice. I was. I was because, you know, I wasn't, I felt like, can I do this? I did feel nervous coming here today. I did feel like I don't belong here. I don't belong here because I'm new. I'm new. I don't know what to do. I don't know. I don't know how to bind a proper book. I don't know how to, you know, I still struggle with drawing my comics, but coming here today proved I can do this. What would you say has been the best advice that you've gotten here at MICE? Don't undersell your work. I was selling my sketches for $5. Today they're 15 because one of my table mates said, they're not $5. They are not worth $5. You actually have work here that is worth 15. Like the comic is priced well, but your sketches should be more because you're sitting here popping them out. You're sitting here putting the time into them. So um, going forward, I think I'm going to be a little bit more confident in how I set my prices. That's, that's really amazing because I know that for, that for a lot of artists, the question of can, uh, can I do this probably pops up all the time. Oh, yeah. And I think that happens for everybody, like um, artist or not. Like, can, like, am I made for this? Like, what if this isn't what I'm meant to do? Um, I think everybody has those moments, and maybe you do. Maybe sometimes I need to take a break from art, but I see—I can't see myself doing anything else. I honestly can't see myself doing anything else. Like I tried, and it didn't work. I'm always drawing. My mind is constantly reeling with new ideas. Like I was just talking with someone last night. We're planning a like I'm trying to plan this new story coming out, this new project. And I'm like so aglow, I'm so excited because I'm drawing, I'm creating something. My mind just won't shut down. It's a blessing and a curse. Yeah, uh, I, I get you. So this, this, this is who you are and this is where you need to be. Absolutely, and you know what? I'm glad this is where I am. It, I'm gonna struggle, but you know what? Bring it on. Uh, with that in mind, tell me about your comic. 
So my comic is called Monday. It is a short, silent comic. There are no words. It's fully colored. And it's about a young girl who is living her daily life with her family in a healing post-apocalyptic world. Very inspired by Harvest Moon games and Stardew Valley, absolutely. Love those games, big gamer. And um, the idea came to me during COVID. So I did write this in 2020, it was for school. And for mice, I was like, let's launch this because it seems like a nice way to introduce myself. We have a nice family here, we have great backgrounds, and we have a nice story that, any, that anyone can kind of make up as their own. Since the comic is silent, they can piece together using the environment and the body dynamics of the characters to kind of figure out how the story is. Um, why go the route of the silent comic? Well, at the time, I wasn't good at balloon paneling. Fair enough. I was not good at word paneling, so I was just like, okay, I guess we're just going to have to be silent because like at the time when it was an assignment, I was like, okay, we got we to gotta get it in in time. It ended, up, it ended up working out, but moving forward, I was like, I kind of like the silent comic approach because I wanted people to focus on the environment and the family, and I felt like it would be easier to do if there was no balloons, word balloons, taking up the entire thing. And I think it's a, I honestly think the silent comic is a great way for it to be available to everyone. So that way there's no translators, there's no dynamic story, it's just focusing on the mundane, which is the kind of the title. Ah, I see what you did there. Yes, so focusing on the mundane life by just focusing on what's around you and not this and not the dialogue Excellent. all right so the big question is what is next for you what's next after this i'm going to start planning for a new project of mine i've actually got i've got so many but my two main cores are getting monday getting monday into a more solid plot i'm thinking of giving it 15 chapters and then maybe when I come back next year, it'll be in a better book. It'll be bigger. There'll be more characters. And I'm also planning a secret project that I can't get into right now. It'll be available in AL3 in a very far in the very far future. But I'm very excited for it, and I'm working with the fan with it. You sound excited. Do you feel like you're a different person now because of your experience here at Mice? Oh yeah, I feel way more confident for some reason. I don't know if it's because I've had like people telling me my art looks great or people like just giving me such good advice, but I feel I feel good. I feel on track. I'm actually feeling like I'm a little bit blushing and flustered. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Well, Savannah, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. But where do folks go to, uh, to learn more about you and check out the works? You can follow me on my website on ladynoirelfart.com, and you can also um, follow my Insta on ladynoirelf um, on Instagram. That's my handle. And come check me out, guys. Excellent. Will do. And thank you very much. Thank you. Nice meeting you. The name Hannah Templer may be a familiar one. She's worked on titles like Doctor Who, The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and many more. She also has a great series called Cosmonites. It's all about a ragtag group of space gays out to save princesses from the patriarchy. Needless to say, I bought both volumes shortly thereafter. We go into the origin of the series, how it's grown over the years, and a bit of what we can expect in the forthcoming third volume. Now, 
looking at your career, you've had quite the work in comics. I think we could be here all day just kind of listing everything. But I'm curious if there's a project that really like sticks with you over the years. Hmm. Uh, that's a great question. I mean, my original uh, space opera series, Cosmonites, is definitely kind of my baby. That's my debut comic, and I've been working on it for going on seven years now at this point um and the second book just came out this year so that's sort of my like (laughs) the bulk of my work i also um worked on flung out of space which actually won an eisner this year um which i'm super excited about yeah thank you so much um yeah so those are kind of my two books that i'm super proud of and really yeah. excited so i saw some of the night for Co- some of the art for cosmonites and i really liked it can you tell us a bit about the story yeah absolutely um so <laughs> cosmonites is a like i said it's a space opera it's a sort of epic about these lesbian gladiators who free princesses from this oppressive system of patriarchy in a futuristic society um the idea being that they live in a neo-medieval society that is set in an alternate reality where princesses Princesses are given up as prizes for these cosmic jousts where <laughs> guys in mech suits basically battle for their hands in marriage so that they can rise through the ranks of nobility and become rich and become rulers. And this lesbian couple has decided that they're going to start freeing these princesses instead so they win their hands in marriage so that they can go free. And it sort of follows this ragtag family of space gays traveling the galaxy and freeing princesses. <laughs> I love it. I really like it. Thank you. Where did the concept come from? Um, It's very funny, actually. It was very, very personal, which is wild to talk about because it's such a, like, (laughs) wild concept. (laughs) But it is based on reality. Um, It sort of was inspired by uh, me coming out pretty late in life and sort of the things that I went through um, as I was kind of fighting for my independence and fighting for the, the things that I wanted in life. And that sort of translated into this gladiatorial energy <laughs> where I was like, wow, like, um, just like dis- not only discovering that like you're queer, but like what it means to sort of navigate the world as someone who, uh, well, I mean, the world isn't built with like people like you in mind. So it's sort of a- about like finding found family and trying to figure out like your place in the universe. Hmm. But, but but you have to deal with anyone in Mexico, huh? <laughs> I wish, I wish. That would be a lot cooler, actually, right? Yeah. Okay, so you mentioned that a volume two just came out. That's right. Where is the story in the second volume? But, but no spoilers. Yeah, no spoilers. Well, so the first volume is sort of about... Uh, the protagonist meeting um, these this lesbian couple who are you know traveling through space freeing those princesses so it sort of follows her initial story um, but the second book really deals with like conflict and found family and you know once you've found that found family how do you exist with people who are different from you and who like and I think we find this a lot in the queer community where it's like everyone comes from a very different place and we all like you do have a lot of similarities but how do you navigate your differences and how do you navigate like the things you may or may not agree on and sort of the core of book two is that you know they rescue this princess in book one who didn't ask to be rescued so she's frustrated because she's like you made a decision for me the same way that everyone else was already making decisions for me so it's sort of exploring like choice feminism and how does that translate when everyone comes from a very different cultural background or has like a different history um yeah Cool. Yeah. Now, I believe you mentioned this was your like first work. Yes. Um, how has it changed over the years? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I was very lucky in that I started it as a webcomic, and I really just uh, initially started it as 
sort of a project that I wanted to do um, and be ambitious with sure. and sort of like let me throw myself like <laughs> fully into something because um, I had never really done a comic that I felt fully represented sort of my like what I was able to do or what I was capable of um, so it kind of started from there and got picked up very quickly by a publisher which is extremely lucky they basically said hey we want to publish this so I worked with my editor to then flesh out the whole story <laughs> so the beginning of the comic was actually very like unplanned um, and sort of <laughs> very like ambitious and had kind of like these wide open doors and then over time I've really refined the direction of the story the writing and obviously over time I've also grown as an artist so I'm able to draw fight scenes better for example or just uh, kind of evolve the art in uh, more mature ways and I'd say that the second book um, I'm really proud of the writing it kind of delves more into these like quiet moments of conversation between characters and then like moves into these epic fight scenes and I think that's really what makes Cosmonite special is kind of the contrast between those things so uh, when it comes to drawing are there any kinds of scenes that are your like specialty <laughs> that's a great that's a great question um, honestly <laughs> I really just love drawing the quiet scenes um, which is so funny like with a, a comic that's set in space and there's always like the epic space background or like the spaceship or like the jet fuel blasting through like the mech suits and I do like doing all that, but what I really like doing is like drawing the quiet conversations against that backdrop because I think it it is kind of reminiscent of our world where we do have to navigate like our interpersonal relationships against this backdrop of chaos. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like the world is on fire and we're still dealing with our little issues with our friends and the people we love and uh, there's like moments of joy in that as well. Um, so I'd say like definitely in those quieter moments is where I you know, really thrive, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, I saw on your site that the, uh, that you've also had a chance to work with games. I saw that you did the yeah. art for the, uh, the game book for, I want to sure I get this right, yes. the, uh, the Thirsty Sword Lesbians That's tabletop correct. game. That's correct. How'd you get, how'd you get uh, hooked up with that? Um, that's so funny. So the, the creator of that system got in touch with me years ago because she had read Cosmonites and was like, Thirsty Sword Lesbians, Cosmonites. Like, oh, there we go. We yeah. should work together. And so I actually ended up doing the logo for them first before the the system was even finalized. I kind of uh, worked with um, like the studio and with the creator to create the logo. And then a year later, when we were ready to do the art for the book, we worked together on a lot of the illustrations. And there's definitely a lot of overlap again with Cosmonites. Um, in fact, there's like a lot of RPG groups who have used Cosmonites as sort of like a world to then Whoa. play the RPG, which is really, really fun. So, And, and you're like a big time gamer too, right? <laughs> yeah, I'd say I, I enjoy games. I definitely enjoy uh, like tabletop role-playing sure. games. So, so yeah. getting to, so having, so like to have your, have your baby basically. Oh my gosh. Be a, game, be a game scene. Yes, it's really wild. I haven't watched them because I don't want it to sort of mess with my world building <laughs> or like get facts wrong, but I like just the idea of people out there like playing in my world, sure. it's just like such an honor. I think that's so amazing. So. You, never, you never know, though. It might give you ideas for the next, next, next Absolutely, volume. yes. I'm like, once I'm done writing, I'm going to go and watch, the, just binge watch everything, yeah, everything yeah. that's out there. So, yeah. No, I have a volume three coming out, too. There is, yes. So I'm working on that. Um, I have, like, I know how the story ends. It is the end of the trilogy. There's not going to be more after that. Oh, so this is it. Then. This is it. Yes, I want to, like, wrap it up nicely and just let it be what it is. Um, so I am working on, like, finishing the script right now. These books take a long time to produce. So I'll be working on it over the next year um, and probably restarting the webcomic at some point late next year. So, yeah. Uh, where can folks find uh, the, the uh, webcomic? So the webcomic is at cosmonites.space. 
Yes, and you can just Google Cosmonites, you'll find it. It's the first thing that comes up. So, Is it tough to bring this thing to a close? Um, it is. It's very emotional for me, especially because it has followed my growth as like a person as well. Like each book really follows sort of like the personal things that I've been through. So it's really a map of the last 10 years for me. Um, and sort of bringing it to a close is very emotional for me because I'm like, wow, like it's not like, you know, my journey is done, but like sure. in a way my journey, this part of my life, it's like a chapter closing and that's yeah. um, very exciting and also very sad <laughs> in a lot of ways. I don't know how I'll feel once it's all done. So, yeah. <laughs> well, then on, on to the next, uh, next yes. adventure, right? Absolutely. And I will say I, I am excited for new stories. That's kind of why I want to finish it is I have more stories to tell. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. Now, uh, prior to the interview, uh, we, were, uh, we were talking talking about mice and you've been here now four times. That's right. What about mice appeal to you in the first place? So I, it's so funny. The first time I came was 2014. It was before I really even was pursuing like a career as a comic artist. I used to work as a graphic designer and do comics and zines on the weekend. And I think just, I heard about mice and was like, let me apply and see how it goes. And I also applied to the mini grant program that they run. This was back in 2014. So I think it was much smaller at the time. They just had five grants that they would award. And I got one of the grants as well. So I was able to use like a small grant to produce a mini comic. I think it was 16 or 18 pages at the time and print it. And I brought it to mice and it really gave me, it made me feel like, oh, like maybe I'm good at this. <laughs> like maybe I can pursue this. Um, so mice has always been like a very, very special show for me. And then I came back in 2017 and released like the first floppy edition of Cosmonites, which was a 30 page like intro. That's when I got picked up. And then I released the first book here in 2019. And then I'm here with the second book in 2023, which is so cool. So yeah, it's really been with me since the beginning. Yeah, sounds it, okay. Yeah. So we've talked about the beginning, but what is next for you? Um, like after Cosmonites or just like uh, in general? I, I, would say, I would say in general, yeah. yeah. Just give us uh, the full, full yeah. Um, well, so I do have to finish the third book, which will take me a, a couple of years. Um, I am also working on some middle grade books with Scholastic right now, um, and those will be out over the next couple of years. I'd really like to uh, pitch another, like do a few like shorter comics in the interim after I'm done with sort of my bigger books. I really, really miss short comics and zines, and they're also easier to carry, so I really look forward to doing some shorter books. Um, but yeah, I don't know. The, the future is bright. I have no idea what's next. So, oh, yeah. you know. All right. Yeah. Well, Hannah, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. But yeah. where do folks go to learn more about you and check out the works? Um, the best place right now is probably my website and also the Cosmonite site. That's where the actual comic lives. Um, you can find me at hannahtemplar.com. I'm also Hannah Templar on some social media sites. Not all. I have kind of been deleting some of my presence online because I'm not a not a fan of how things are going but if if I'm on a site I'm Hannah Templer there so well thank you very much yes thank you thank you so much Takto Yoshima is perhaps best known for his secret Asian man comic and for years he was an exhibitor at mice well he's also one of the organizers as the art director and let me tell you it is no cakewalk Ben took the lead here and the two talked about what led to Tak taking on this new role and what it's been like Tech gives us some history about the secret Asian man story, as well as some other projects he's working on. Hint, think, choose your own adventure. This is Ben Chow, a Felicity White Blackout, uh, uh, Mice, and I'm with uh, Tech Toy Toyoshima. There you go. 
Um, I'm here with uh, him. He's usually a comic artist with uh, with titles known as Secret Agent Man, but he's here as a staff member for Mice. And the last time I was here, you were a, one of the exhibitors. Now you're actually working behind the scenes <laughs> this year. So tell me a little bit about how you got involved with that. Exactly. Yeah. So you know, uh, this is my second year on the bo uh, planning board for Mice. I act as the art director, so I oversee the graphics and all that kind of visual communication, signage, things like that. I work with a lot of the artists on merch, and uh, so basically, last or two years ago now, uh, I was working a table at Comics in Color, which is a different show. Um, that um, n now that the um, the Boston Comics Arts Foundation, which helps throws Mice, actually helps now throw Comics in Color. So I was tabling at Comics in Color, and uh, Shelly Paraline, who was the executive director for Mice, kind of came up to me. She was also at that show and said, hey, you know, talk, we got, we got an opening on the planning board to do, you know, some design work. Would you be interested? And I've always loved Mice. You know, Mice is one of my favorite shows, absolutely. So I jumped at that chance. I said, yeah, absolutely. You know, like whatever help you need, knowing that it's a, you know, it's a, a ragtag group of like, you know, artists and, you know, just people who love comics. So I wanted to get in there. And uh, yeah, so last year I jumped in and it was our first year moving from the Leslie University uh, uh, um, location to this Boston University location. And um, so there was a lot of learning there. There's new rooms, and, you know, there's elevators to the fourth floor now. There's all these kind of logistical issues. So it was, it was great to work through all that stuff with them. And then at the same time, knowing kind of the heritage of mice and how they just love independent comics and love supporting artists and, you know, have to make sure all the exhibitors have, you know, food to eat and drinks and, you know, breaks and all that kind of stuff. Um, I just jumped in. So, you know, once that happened, I just saw how... A, how many people are involved in throwing this show, and B, how much people really love this show. So that's been great. Yeah, because this event like supports like I mean it's more so it's similar to a Comic Con, but this is more local artist supported sure. kind of thing, and that's a good thing because there's, there's a lot of artists out there, and they don't get really featured a lot, especially in those big events of like those comic cons and around here but this is like more suited to them mm -hmm. and I, I mean this is it's a little more intimate kind of event Correct. so yep. um so can you tell me a little more of your experience for this year's event so far so this year uh you know the, one of the big adjustments was it's a month earlier than it was last year so everybody's timing was a little bit off but um you know also um you know, having come off of last year, now we knew the venue, now we knew all those things, it was a little bit smoother as far as that kind of planning goes, it was less mystery. Um, uh, this year was a little bit of time crunch as far as like, because it was a month earlier, getting posters out, getting postcards out, getting communications out, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, again, we, we, you know, we, we, we started meeting in February or whatever it was uh, every month and then we picked up speed in the spring to every other week and then suddenly we're every week and you know every Sunday night we're all getting together zooming um, you know just hashing out whatever needs to be hashed out and uh, because you know again how many people are involved we have a, a really robust staff of marketing people and you know all up and down you know, people working with sponsors directly with you know uh, people coming in from out of town booking hotels flights all that stuff has to happen so touching base every week like that, definitely, you know, any issues that came up would come up in those meetings. And, um, you know, it, it was neat to be part of that, to hear all the, the goings on of what it takes to throw a show like this. So Nice. And 
based on your experience now, like being on the beh behind the scenes of the event and being an exhibitor before, yeah. which <laughs> do you prefer doing? I, I, you know, it's funny because there's definitely re rewards to both, you know, like for sure exhibiting, you know, you're directing directly corresponding with fans and things like that. And that's one feeling. But then on the other hand, like knowing what it takes to sit at a booth all day, you know, it's in, you know, sell your things and do whatever, you know, you can think of like, you know, the things that would make the show nicer. And the fact that we're on that side of it now, figuring out how to make the experience nicer for exhibitors is also great. So we even have things like professional development workshops, which are specifically for exhibitors. It's not even for attendees, you know, like just, you know, we have breakfasts with them and, you know, we just kind of provide all this stuff and it just helps build a community, you know, and I hear it up and down, like, you know, all throughout the day, we're handing out drinks and snacks to all the tables. And, you know, from new exhibitors, they're like, oh, my God, Mice is such a nice show. You know, like we just have this reputation of really taking care of our artists. And then on the attendee side, you know, same thing. We're very sensitive to, you know, like we're doing another masked show this this year, you know, just because we know we have a lot of uh, attendees who are, you know, immunocompromised or so we're sensitive to that. And, you know, we definitely tend to both sides of the fence. So basically, you have to cater hospitality on both, yeah, for both. Absolutely attendees as well as the exhibitors as well yep correct yeah i mean we have a calm space for like you know it's it can be overwhelming to be in that main room and there's so many people and so much going on so we have a calm space room where people can just literally go and sit down and just catch their breath you know kids who need to like you know we have like t toys and games and you know just a separate area just to hang out nice and um since i mentioned this like you were an exhibitor before can you tell me about yourself as a, a artist yourself like what you've done and as well as what you are currently doing. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, Secret Asian Man is probably the thing that I've been doing the longest that I'm most known for. Uh, I also worked on comics like The Tick for New England Comics, and I've done some, you know, light Marvel stuff and, you know, just background things. But um, Secret Asian Man is definitely my, you know, go-to. And, you know, this or last year, I guess it was, no, earlier this year, it's going to be the 25th anniversary, which is pretty ridiculous. Um so, you know, I did that as a daily for years, you know, did it for a week as a weekly for years. Uh, I actually haven't been producing like a regular uh, scheduled comics in a little while. I've done more kind of like um, uh, smaller stories for anthologies and things like that in collections. But I've also done some smaller books on my own. So I did a book a few years ago during the pandemic. Um, there was a spike in anti-Asian hate crimes. So I'd seen this video footage of this guy, this elderly gentleman in uh, Oakland, California, just got, it was like a security camera footage and some guy just walks right behind him and shoves him to the ground and, you know, he dies from his injuries. And so I was, you know, A, disgusted by that, but, you know, B, listening to everybody kind of wonder about like, oh my God, what would bring a person to do something awful like that? And instead of thinking that, I'm thinking, well, who was that guy who died? You know, like, who's this old guy? What's his story? So I started... I created this book called Quok, because K-W-O-K, and, um, and it was basically a story about an immigrant, you know, Chinese man who comes to America and, you know, finds a family, starts a business, you know, grows up, and, you know, now he's elderly, and towards the end, I gave him, you know, kind of a tragic ending, but just to mirror what has happened, you know, and how horrible this, something like that actually is, and so I did that as a fundraiser for um, a local uh, Boston organization that works with elderly um, uh, Chinese community and um, you know just went around I paid for the printing myself I you know I just fundraised I went to that comics and color show sold it there um, 
and the reception was great and uh, you know took all the money 100% and just wrote a check to that organization and showed up in this you know little office in Chinatown and they were completely surprised because I didn't tell them anything and I uh, just told them what I did and it was one of those you know most rewarding things you would ever do like once once you realize you can use your you know kind of artistic talents to do something like that rather than just to sell books or whatever feels great you know so that was a wonderful thing to do uh, more recently I did a new small book called um, make good choices which is basically a throwback to all the um, choose-your-own-adventure stories that like a lot of kids read but it's in comic book form so basically I the, the themes are around social justice justice issues so you know police brutality and abortion and uh, um, CRT in schools and things like that so it's basically Sam running into a sign and literally you have to choose what you would do if faced with this situation and so there are plenty of good choices to make and then I threw in some bad choices like if you if you make this bad choice here's what might happen so in a way it was kind of a, a fun thing to do that also just to show like yeah you might not want to do that you know so it, it's more of a opportunity to you know to uh, exercise different options you might have <laughs> kind of like just educating people like if you do this kind this of happen, I mean I, I've always loved you know I, I you know, I would say in the past, I've, I've definitely done strips where I'm too much on a soapbox. Like, I'm talking down to people and being like, you're an idiot. You know, you shouldn't think that. This is what you should think. But instead of doing that, I'm far more interested now in kind of like bridging that gap and really reaching out to people and having a dialogue. You know, because, you know, I don't think that, you know, a comic book is going to change anybody's mind automatically just because it told them to think differently. But if I could have them actively think about something, you know, more so than tell them what to think. I feel like that's far more interesting and far more, you know, valuable. Nice. And, uh, and like, in terms of the, like, co like, co like the content of comics that you make, like, yeah. it's definitely social and subject matter. Sure. Added. And also, like, like one of me, like, Asian Americans that are actually now diving into all types of media with, like, film and comics and there's an increasing number of artists creating stuff like that what's your thought about that i mean i think it's great you know it's one of those things where thinking back to when i first started one of the big reasons why i started secret asian man was because there was a lack of characters out there you know in in media in general and um you know there in comics specifically it was kind of funny because behind the scenes there were tons of like superstar asian artists and you know like jim lee's and all those guys but they weren't the characters, you know, that here we were drawing Superman, Batman, we were drawing Bruce Wayne, we were drawing like that kind of stuff, which, you know, nothing's wrong with that, but it, it didn't help the representation on the front page, you know, like it didn't, you know, people weren't lining up to see Asian Hulk, and years later we get Asian Hulk, you know, so, you know, it, you know, it takes a little patience, I, I guess, but looking at it now, a lot of those, you know, a lot of those are, uh, you know, more upfront figures are already in place. There's far more actors and actresses and politicians and, you know, like just people in, in the public circle, um, you know, filling those roles. And I think it's because of all this kind of background work, you know, not one comic or one blog or one, you know, whatever is going to change everything, but it's just uh, sustained, you know, you just got to keep doing it year after year. And, uh, you know, I think it's an, uh, now compared to 25 years ago, so different. Um, and there's a lot of you know good people doing good work in in the right places 
to make things a little easier. Does that mean it's over? No, of course not. You know, like, of course, we got a far more to go and there's, you know, a lot of assholes out there who would like, like to undo all that. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm just going to focus on what my contributions can be and how I want to do it. And, you know, however people take it, that's how they're going to take it. I can't control that. Yeah, and basically, like, all of us just want to tell our story. And, and with the amount of, like, uh, Asians in all forms of content creation, like, everyone's telling their story now. Like, sure. even you, I mean, you've been doing this for years. Yeah. I mean, I mean, everyone's trying to tell their story about, like, the background, about the culture and stuff like that. So it's, right. like now is a great golden opportunity to do so yeah i mean i've definitely you know over the years i've even you know because there's plenty of people like me who are also doing you know kind of similar things but i'll almost you know i'll jokingly ask them like do you ever get tired of being like a professional asian you know like where you where almost everything you do is coded with the asian thing and asian you know and a lot of that's natural and that happens anyway but at the same time, there is, you know, there can be that fatigue of like, uh, you know, sometimes I, I want to talk about like something that is completely different. It still has some, you know, social justice type themes to it, but aren't so specifically Asian. You know, I know that's my, you know, specific, you know, I have a unique point of view in that I am Asian. But, you know, I also don't want to give the, you know, the idea that just because I'm Asian, that's all I should or can talk about, um, and vice versa. You know, I, I, you know, welcome anybody's ideas on Asians who isn't Asian. You know, like to me, that's as interesting too, because that's a completely different perspective. So, and uh, and just to round off this topic about uh, Korean content uh, as a minority, as uh, as with the Asian community, what, do you have any inspiring words for those who like has a story to tell but not sure how to? what would you say yeah i mean probably the best thing to do is you know like it's easy to try to cater to what you think people will want to hear but to me i think it's more valuable to tell exactly what your story is you know like if it's let's say autobiographical you know like don't worry too much about how someone might think of what you're saying like just kind of tell it exactly the way it happened because i you know i think you'll be surprised so how many people will be like oh my god that that happened to me too you know, and the more specific you are, the more, I think, you know, deeply you'll reach people. So I would say, you know, keep it honest, you know, don't fluff things up too much, you know, make it, make it a good story, but don't, you know, don't necessarily tell a story that you think people want to hear. And one last question I would like to ask is, um, so what's next for you as an artist? And as well as for some of your uh, iconic IPs, like the Secret Agent. Yeah, so for Sam, you know, I mean, so I, I, I put together about, you know, it took about a year or so, 200 pages of a semi-autobiographical graphic novel of Sam in middle school in those years. And uh, just kind of in junior high school years. Yeah, growing up in New York in Chinatown and during the, you know, during the 80s. Um, you know, it's all flavored with that kind of fashion and music and lingo and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, and I went to a 99.5% Chinese school and I was like the one, one Japanese kid that was like, you know, the one black kid, the one Italian kid, like it was that kind of a school. And, um, you know, so that, uh, and plus a million other things happened, but, you know, things that aren't necessarily Asian related, it's more middle school related, you know, going to your first dance, going to, you know, doing all these kind of things dealing with uh, you know China, uh, gangs in New York like it was a horribly violent time but I didn't think about it at the time I knew there was danger but it's not like 
that's what stressed me out. What stressed me more out was, you know, the girl in my math class who I liked. You know, that was kind of more stressful than the Chinese gangs. So, you know, that I'm right now, you know, trying to work with more like an agent, somebody, because a lot of my publishing has been self-published. So now to get into more of a, you know, get through with editors, get through with publishers, I have to work with other people. So I'm, you know, I'm in that stage now. Uh, I do want to do, you know, the second part of that story would be the high school years, and then the third part would be the college years. And what I want to see is, you know, an actual progression in Sam. Like I want to see, you know, like in my life or like anybody else's life, faced with similar decisions, you might react or respond differently depending on how old you were or how, what you went through. So partially it's going to be a self, you know, looking at myself and, and it's kind of almost like self-therapy, like literally writing out everything you did. You know, when's the last time you thought about really hard about what you did when you were 13, you know, like and really have to now draw it, you know, and like who said what, and you know, you have to really think it in that level. Um, so it's been an interesting uh, experience just to do that kind of thing. So. Uh, I've loosely scripted the high school. I've uh, only plotted out the college one, but in each one of those, there's some intense stuff. Some of it rises in intensity, like as you get older, like more and more intense things happen. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to, like you know, finishing those scripts. But you know, gotta gotta finish the first one first. <laughs> Can't get ahead of myself. So where can um, everyone uh, find you and your work? So largely, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that I just throw online, Instagram really is the best place to look. So Tok Toyoshima is this the, is my, you know, the tag. Um, but yeah, otherwise, you know, like really there, I'm just throwing like things that I'm doing al along the way, process shots or, you know, new cover or, you know, the latest sketch kind of thing. So that would probably be the best way to just see, with, see the new stuff. Well, thank you so much for your time. And I hope you enjoy the rest of the day awesome. at uh, MICE. Very cool. Thank you very much. <laughs> Bringing this episode to a close is Shana Liu. Like Savannah, this was Shana's first time at MICE, and we talk about the great memories made and the cool people she's met. Shana is also in the process of releasing a new comic, Noodle and Bao, all about a food cart that stands against a hip new cafe and gentrification. This one takes a cue from what Shana has seen in Boston's Chinatown, and we go into that as a theme. So you mentioned earlier that this is your first MICE? It is my very first time wow. at MICE. Yeah, even as an attendee. <laughs> so how so how's it been? It's been amazing. Um, I really am enjoying my time here. Um, I love, I've really enjoyed meeting all the different artists, but I'm also enjoying meeting all the different people who walk around who aren't exhibiting that are also artists, which is <laughs> pretty cool. Yeah, I uh, met a bunch of, of uh, fellow creators who just like don't have yeah. to work out here. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. I, I guess like you can't tell who draws comics just by looking at them, <laughs> it's but tell, um, right? it's actually super amazing. Yeah, I've had, I've had, I'm having a blast. All right. Now, do you go to other kinds of conventions or, or um, expos? Um, I go to like maybe more things like zine fests and book fairs. Sure, sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I was at like the kids comic fest <laughs> and stuff like that. I've seen your work. I, I can say that would be a real good. Uh, real good oh, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Um, so, what are you working on right now? I'm working on my debut graphic novel. Um, it's called Noodle About, and it's coming out fall 2024. I read about that. That's really cool. Story. Yeah, and a lot of it is based really heavily on like stories from Boston's Chinatown. So, sure, sure. it feels really special. Why did you want to pick this particular like theme for your story? 
Um, I used to work in, well, actually still work in Boston's Chinatown. I teach elementary art there. Yeah. Um, But before I used to work at Boston Chinatown Neighborhood Center, um, I ran a school age program called Red Oak there. Mm -hmm. And um, I had taken my students on like a walking tour around Chinatown and we had gone to Inkblock with the murals and we talked a lot about like how the buildings looked different in Inkblock versus Taitung, which is like, you know, some of the housing developments in Chinatown. Mm -hmm. And I did think, um, you know, as we were having these conversations about gentrification, I was like, wouldn't it be amazing if there was a book or a graphic novel that they could read that could anchor some of the conversations? And that's kind of where Noodle and Bao came from. Okay. Could you talk about the, uh, the characters? Yeah, um, Noodle is a cat. <laughs> um, Noodle, like already. Yeah, Noodle is a cat that owns a food cart. And then Bao is her grandchild um, who kind of like helps her with the food cart and like their business. Um, and then there's another character named Momo. So they're all named after like different types of foods. So Momo is kind of like Bao's best friend who's like kind of like a young budding organizer. Um, and so. Momo really involves herself in like Noodle and Bao's like fight to stay in Chinatown, which is called like Town 99 in the book, but it's like a essentially a Chinatown. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I really dug the art style. I'm kind of curious as to uh, just like how this came to be. Oh, my art? Yeah. Um, wow. I don't know. Probably from like reading manga since I was a small <laughs> child. Um, I feel like. That I feel like I was drawing like anime fan art since I was like in elementary school, but um, I think I had lots of other influences. Like I'm such a big fan of like lots of like animators and cartoonists. Um, like I love Rebecca Sugar's art. I guess I'm gonna say more manga artists that I admire. Yeah. Like I love Rumiko Takahashi's art. Um, and then I really admire. I'm like blanking on the name. The person who drew Full Metal Alchemist. I really like their art. Oh also. yeah. I'm um, sorry. I can't. Believe- I don't remember. Well, whoever that person is. Yeah, whoever that person is, I really like their art too. (laughs) Um, And I feel like that's had an influence on. Cool. So you're entirely self taught? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. And you also teach kids art too? Yeah. All right. Um, Yeah. How old are they usually? Well, this year uh, in Chinatown, I'm teaching K through five, so I'm at the Quincy Elementary. Um, and I just teach the kindergartners up to the fifth graders. Teaching uh, the next the next um, uh, generation of comic creators. Yeah, they actually are super excited about comics. Really? So oh, nice. Yeah, I'm, yeah, and like I think I've shown them some like of my work or other creators' work, and they're always like super hyped. They're like, I'm really excited to do comics in art class, and I'm like, we have some other projects that aren't comics, <laughs> but we'll we'll still do comics. <laughs> yeah. Just comics, right? Forget the other stuff. Right, they just want to only do comics, but... Cool, cool. Yeah. When it comes to helping these kids sort of find their style, do you take a real active hand there, or is it more just like step back and kind of figure it out? I think, okay, that's a, yeah, that's a really good question. The way that I approached art education is like through like a project-based learning lens. So we have like kind of an essential question generally that they have to answer through their art and I show them like techniques and ways to do things but they always find their own individual like they use the tools that they have to answer the question so that it, like the long version is very complicated but the short version is they have their own styles All right. um, yeah now, I saw that you had a lot of um, other works uh, at your table. Could you talk a little bit more about that? 
Yeah, I had like some stickers and some other zines. One of the zines is really awesome. It's very special to me. I'm <laughs> talking about my own work. It's awesome. Um, but it's something that I co-created with my friend Sunny. And they it's like a it's called We Too and it's a collection of like two spirit stories. So Sunny is um, indigenous, so a lot of their stories are like about black and indigenous people, um, and a lot of like based on their lived experiences, and they're from like we like had those stories in like different anthologies in the past and those that's kind of like where I got my start in comics like illustrating stories that Sunny wrote so we put it together in an anthology and that's one zine we have at our table does I um does um Sunny have uh, like a their own work too I think so yeah I think they have yeah but a lot of our comic stuff was done together nice yeah Okay, so the big question is, you did uh, mention uh, Needle and Bow, but like, mm-hmm. what else is, is that coming down the road for you? Oh, um, like in terms of books? Books, uh, appearances. Yeah. yeah, I have another graphic novel coming out after Needle and Bow. It is, has not been titled yet. <laughs> um, Those are hard. It's, it's in the second book like um, limbo stage, but um, um, it's about kind of like two princesses from like different clans I guess or kingdoms and um, they're like fighting like they're vying for the spot to become like the Mm -hmm. god of the next river it's like set in like a Chinese fantasy like wuxia style world so yeah it's very different from noodle and bao but I'm excited to draw it cool I'm excited to uh, check it out So Shayla, uh, thanks so much for talking to me. I appreciate it. But where yeah. do folks go to learn more about you and check out the works? Oh, they can go to my website, which is shaynadoesart.com. Shayna is spelled S-H-A-I-N-A. Or they can follow me on Instagram. It's also shaynadoesart. Shayna also spelled S-H-A-I-N-A. Excellent. Yep. Well, thanks again. Thank you so much for having me. And that brings this episode to a close. Thanks so much for joining us. We really love being at MICE, and we cannot wait for next year. Follow the show on Facebook under Citywide Blackout and Twitter and Instagram at Citywide Max. You can get at me at citywidemax at yahoo.com and check the show out wherever you find your favorite podcasts, as well as every Saturday at 10 p.m. on Boston Free Radio. And of course, if you want to learn more about the Massachusetts Independent Comics Expo, you go to micexpo.org. That's micexpo.org. That's all for now, and I'll see you next time.